bigger. All right. Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, I wanted to talk today about serving, serving in so many ways, right? Service is a, is a word that incorporates the word serve, and when we think about serving somebody, what do we think about? Anybody? Meeting needs. Meeting needs. Great one. Thank you. What does serving mean to you? Doing for others. Jeanette, uh, Michelle, doing for others. Yeah, Jeanette? Loving people. Loving people. Great. Having no expectations. Having no expectations. Mm-hmm. Yep. Anybody else have a thought about what serving others means? <clears throat> giving, giving of yourself. Yep. Yep. Like to me, service is, is all of that. But service is also a love that transcends yourself, your comfortability, your boundaries. Right? Like, I think we've come out of COVID and we've all started to realize, like, I have certain boundaries. I have certain things that I, I can and can't do. And service can actually transcend that. And what I mean by that is we can we can think about, like, I might not be good going to, and I, and I know this was true for me specifically, um, we used to go sing for um, an elderly care facility. And a lot of these people weren't ever going to leave. It was very, very uncomfortable. Because I don't, I don't like death. It always just seemed to be like that was kind of the overshadowing feel. But what, what I did is I, I kind of just powered through because I realized that people don't necessarily have the opportunity for those moments of joy. Our our church used to go and we would sing for St. Joseph's, and we would sing. We bring little children, little babies, uh, little toddlers, and our older kids, and it was. It was pretty incredible because once you got there, you forgot about how uncomfortable you felt, and you just you might have fixated on one person. And when you were singing, you might sing to them or sing to this other person or sing to this other person. And the great thing about it was their eyes lit up, and all of a sudden I realized they were singing the songs that we were singing. And I was like, wait a minute, they want this, they need this. This is something beyond me, right? And so when I say it transcends our boundaries. I simply mean there are people out there who, if you serve in a certain way that makes you a little uncomfortable, that might be all right because you might have just made their entire day or their week or given them something, like for these folks specifically, given them some joy toward the end of their lives, right? And I can't imagine what it's like to just sit in a room and, and have this over-impending feeling of like, well, I'm just here to sort of waste my remaining days away. I made a couple friends there, which was crazy. I mean, I never thought I'd really connect with people. But I think serving does something to you, right? It's the love. Serving serving helps you love other people in a lot of ways. So that's what today's about. Today's about transcending our own, our own boundaries. It's about uh, inflating love for other people. It's about stepping, stepping out and, and giving to somebody of our time, of ourselves, and being, being a bit greater than what we thought we Serving, serving can actually be a little surprising, even in our own minds. Because when we decide to serve, things happen, and you're just like, I didn't intend that. I didn't mean for that to happen. And, and something becomes new for me. And that's what I've discovered. There's something new that I realize I can do, or something that I have the ability to do. And then I get to see a life transformed, or a life at least made joyful. Because that's, 
That's what comes of service. So uh, today what I'd like to do is I'd like to have a few people share about what they've done to serve others and how that's transformed or, or affected the lives that they've touched. Uh, and uh, I'd like to have you come up and just share about your opportunity to serve and what you think that's done for other people. And I recently joined and moved here from South Florida, and I'm here by myself, and sometimes I get super duper lonely, checking out, looking for a church, and I found you guys, and you guys have been such a blessing. Shelby invited me out, and blessed you guys, you guys invited me to your home, and I appreciate that. And my service actually started uh, when I went to a church in Florida, it's called Calvary Chapel, and I've been there for quite a while. I started volunteering in the kids' ministry because I have a daughter, now she's 16. I started there, I think, when she was, um, I think it was in the baby's ministry. And from there, I met a lot of families. I supported a lot of families. They helped me. I helped them. <coughs> one young lady in the children's ministry found to go both me and my daughter. So that's how I started my search in, or volunteering services in church. One specific uh, outreach we do is a Thanksgiving outreach where we actually pack boxes, we give donations from families, we pack bags, and then we find three families. We'll usually partner myself and her, and we'll get like gift cards from folks in the community, and we deliver Thanksgiving baskets to families. And that has really been an impact, and it's, I thought, okay, I'm helping these people. What I found out was that they were actually helping me. Because my daughter, she's pretty much my only child. She takes pretty much everything for granted. Don't appreciate what we have. I'm from the island, and life in the island is very different than how it is here in America. So doing this service, uh, little that experiment that we usually do, I've seen how it's made an impact in her life. So a couple times we went out and we drop off gift baskets, we drop off a gift card to families, and they would say thank you, and we would ask them, would you like for us to pray with you? A lot of people would step back, they're like, no. But one day we went to a family's home, and the lady, the home was a little run down, they didn't have a lot, and they came out, and um, I had my daughter drop off the package, and then she actually, we all prayed with the family, and then when we left, she said, Mommy, I am so thankful for the things that you've given me. I really didn't realize how much that we have when I was actually was able to see how less other people have. So for me, that was a blessing because a lot of times I'm thinking she doesn't appreciate, she doesn't know. But when we actually together, you know, went out in the community, gave to others, she saw, she really kind of took that, you know, she appreciated that. So every Thanksgiving, she was like, Mommy, we're going to do a Thanksgiving uh, treat. So it's become like a tradition where myself and her will sign up and we'll go out to the community and give. So that was something that I thought was special. It not only made an impact in others' lives, it also made an impact in our lives. Mm-hmm. That's it. Great. Thank you. And I'd like my wife to come up and share about what she's doing to serve the community. Thank you. Um, so as um, many, if not all of you know, um, I work at the Hope Lodge. And here in Vermont, we're really so privileged to have a great medical facility with um, the UVM Medical Network. Um, and um, at, at the Hope Lodge, we have, there are patients from New York, um, throughout the state of Vermont, because it's, it's, you can drive for three hours and still be in Vermont. 
um, as well as um, from Canada and beyond, there are patients who are coming here for cancer treatment. And um, the lodge provides free lodging for these people to be able to come, to stay, for you can have you know, patients who are going through anywhere from a day of treatment to eight weeks of um, radiation. You can have folks who, you know, uh, someone goes through surgery and might be in recovery for months. And so the lodge gives the opportunity for their immediate care support and themselves to have a place to be close to their treatment. Um, and it's just, it's been such a blessing for me that I, I have the privilege of being able to earn a paycheck by serving these people, um, but there's also opportunities for community to come in. And, and now that so many COVID restrictions have been lifted, um, we are still wearing masks actively in the lodge, but we're looking forward to a day where that's not gonna be the case. Um, but now uh, community people are able to come in and, and help with the lodge and serve in different ways. And definitely, the favorite, my favorite part of my job is providing dinner for our guests. And so um, it's something I get to, to do when, when we don't have volunteers in-house, but we also have the opportunity. Volunteers can come in and can make a meal, which just, it, like, it warms the soul when somebody's able to be fed. They're able to not have to worry about where their next meal is coming from necessarily. They can just come and it's ready. And so often our guests are just like blown away by what gets provided, regardless of what it is. Like it could be a simple mac and cheese, and they're right, or it could be like elaborate um, prime rib or shrimp scampi. Like we have the whole gambit of things that, that come through our doors. And so um, I do want to extend that invitation to everybody. Our family group has had the privilege and the experiences um, being able to provide a meal or few. Um, and so it's something that, you know, you can feel free to gather a group together. You can do it on your own. You can drop it off. You can come prepare it. We're like so flexible. Um, and there are also other opportunities to serve. We, you know, there's housekeeping opportunities. There's just doing, like engaging with our our uh, guests, you can come in to have a game night or do an activity um, because we really just want to focus on building a community and, and it's been so great to have that. Um, you know, so um, already, but um, I did want to just take that opportunity. So, um, good time to dinner serve. Yeah, so Not dinner, right? <laughs> um, so we serve, we do serve dinner at six o'clock is the target. Um, and so I know for, for some, like the, the preparing a meal before six o'clock isn't feasible um, due to work constraints or whatnot. But um, yeah. In terms of volunteer activity, I'm assuming it could be a one time thing or it could be like a regular monthly thing yeah. or whatever you want. Yep, absolutely. Um, and and it can even we have we do have a couple volunteers who are kind of like on call volunteers. So it's like if you know you're going to have a busy night, like give me a call and see if I can stop by. So we're, um, yeah. And do we have a count of how many we serve? How many are there? Do you mean like idea of how many we serve? 
Yeah, so typically, like our, our guest um, occupancy varies day to day, um, but we, as a general rule, estimate <coughs> to serve 12 people for dinner. Um, and a lot of times we have less than that, but then we have leftovers. Mm -hmm. Occasionally we'll have more. If we know we're having a full house, um, we will notify the cooks in advance. Um, so there is a website, which um, I can give to anybody who wants it. I can email or text you the website. Um, that's, it's basically like a meal train, so you can see who signed up, and it, gives, it shows what people have are planning for dinner so that you have an idea of, of what our guests will be eating that week. And um, and then what we'll do is we will reach out a week before the person signed up, if they've signed up that far in advance, or just when you sign up, we'll reach out to give you some more detail as far as like what our guest roster kind of looks like. If we know it's going to be really light, so you know, just prepare to feed 10 people, or we know it's going to be a full house, so we want to be able to feed 20 to 30 people. Um, we have 16 guest rooms, so our maximum capacity of guests would be 32 people. Um, but typically we'll have some, you know, not everybody comes to dinner and um, there's different food restrictions and we don't really, we don't expect our volunteers to accommodate every food restriction. Um, our guests know to kind of be prepared that if, if you're a vegan guest, we might not always have vegan food, so you want to, you know, provide that for yourself. Okay. Remain culinary skill and pouring water. Um, you can make pasta. But, <laughs> but, but I think, uh, like, are the other opportunities that maybe are not time specific, like that 6 p.m. time, or like that, like, you know, can I mow the lawn? Can I, right. something that's a little more tangible that I can do on time outside of that 6 p.m. slot? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There are lots of different opportunities. Um, and I think for some of those details, I would connect you um, with our our office staff, Angela and Deb, who are there during the days, and they handle some of those more logistics. But we, we have a volunteer who comes in weekly who does like maintenance stuff around, you know, he's like fixed faucets and um, painted walls and things like that. So there, there are a lot of those types of opportunities too. So we could always um, connect to get some, some projects taken care of. Thank you guys. Definitely and, and definitely like feel free to continue like reach out to me about any kind of questions. I'd love to get to well engage. But thank you. I know Emmett and I have uh, gone to serve just uh, in the capacity of prepping food and serving and having dinner with the guests. So when Prime Rib shows up, being a volunteer. <laughs> um, if you're a vegetarian, sorry about that. Um, so anyways, you know, Hope Lodge, my dad passed away from pancreatic cancer back in 2017. And, you know, there are, there are so many services available to, to serve families um, who are either caregivers for those who have cancer or they themselves have cancer. I think it's just, um, you know, it, it's an extremely challenging life event for people. And so stepping up to serve in some way in that capacity is always a, a great way. And I, and I love that my wife is directly involved with it. Um, and I, I love volunteering to do the meal times on a Monday or Tuesday night after I get out of work because we've made some friends. We, we've just had conversations with people. All of a sudden, you just kind of connect with them. And it becomes this great, um, I don't know, just, it's like your, your world opened up a little bit more. And, it, and 
now your world includes these new people that you that you've met, and your hopes and dreams for them just increase and all that. So, um, Hope Lodge is just a great organization. So, um, so I wanted to uh, introduce uh, Christina Corodimus. Did I just pronounce that? Cordemus. Cordemus. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, so, would you like to come up? Uh, so Christina and I are both members of the Rotary Club, which is how I heard about the Essex Church program, and uh, had conversations with Christina about what Essex Church is and what it does for the community. So I invite her to come in and just share about it, just so that we know what's going on in the community around us. Like we know what other opportunities, maybe 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 we're not into food service or Hope Lodge, but we might be into helping children or or doing after school activities. And I'm going to let Christina talk. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me, Larry. Sure. Nice to meet all of you. Um, I'm Christina Cordemus. I'm the director of Essex Chips, and that's Community Health Improvements and Programs for Students. And my service journey started long ago. I didn't think of it as service. It was just what my family did. I grew up Catholic in a really small community over in upstate New York, and Eventually, I went on to get my master's in public service uh, degree, but the main uh, sort of learning I've had about service has been in serving others, not in a classroom. And so we have some great opportunities in Essex Junction at the Five Corners. We serve uh, families who live within the Essex Westford School District, and all of our programs are offered at no cost, which we feel is really important. Um, now more than ever, really. Um, and our focus since COVID has been our after-school program. We were uh, doing other things uh, like more prevention work and mentoring, but our staff got smaller, so we just really focused in on what we're good at, what I believe we're good at. Um, and we've actually grown our after-school program in the past year and a half from serving 45 kids weekly to 140 kids weekly. Wow. And so it's an amazing amount of growth. Um, so we've um, strengthened the program by adding more staff and hosting events and activities to help kids become more rounded community members. Um, this year we had a mental health program with Ms. Vermont, consent education program with Steps to End Domestic Violence, we do a 4-H series called uh, True Leaders in Equity. We partner with Global Foundries on STEM activities. We do lots of arts and crafts, and we have lots of pool tables and uh, foosball tables, air hockey, board games, healthy snack, uh, a computer lab. So kids have the opportunity to do lots of different things when they're with us. And more importantly, I feel, uh, their caregivers have a peace of mind knowing that you know they walk to us after school or they bike to us after school and during their time with us their families don't have to worry where they are or what they're doing and we're trying to enrich their lives by exposing them to so many different um, activities. Um, we also try to serve the, the greater community as well so we've had two documentary film discussions where we've invited a cast um, from the movie uh, No Other Lake and um, listen up to uh, view the movie with us and our community to ask questions 
And we always provide dinner when we have events like that, so it's easier for families to get there on, on an evening that they probably you know, have to be worried about making dinner for their family as well. Um, right now I'm fundraising to bring uh, a really powerful documentary to, uh, to Essex, and that's called Our American Family, and that focuses on generational addiction. And um, we have this space, I'm just working on funding, and when that happens, I'll definitely let Larry know and would love to have all of you come. Um, whether you've been touched by addiction or not personally, it's in our community, and I think it's always good to, to raise awareness. And, and it's a hopeful um, film in the end, which is great. And I'm really proud that we began a book club for parents and caregivers in the fall. We're on our second book right now, and we can uh, plan to do that in the future. And that's open to any parent, and we provide childcare and dinner, uh, and a space for the parents to discuss what's in the book, but also it's really become just a support group uh, where people talk about their daily challenges and don't feel so isolated um, in their childbearing, which we find to be a common theme that you know, everybody's going through a similar path, but feels very alone. So building that community in our space, too, has been really important. And we wanted to make sure that we were serving um, kids out of our space as frequently as possible. So we recently opened on Friday nights. Um, we test piloted uh, high school students in May. Right now we're doing uh, middle school students in for the month of June. And we're sort of figuring out what the best format for that is, but uh, the kids who come have really enjoyed having pizza and playing games and hanging out with their friends. And again, it's a way that parents can know their kids are safe. It's not costing them any money. Um, they know that we have a really competent staff that's keeping an eye out for them and they're building those uh, connections with each other. Um, if you're interested in finding out more about our programs, we have schedules um, on the table in the back, but also our Facebook and Instagram pages are updated frequently uh, for that. We also are really committed to having youth voices as part of our leadership. So we have a mandate in our bylaws that 33 to 49% of our board is comprised of youth. So we have four high school students on our board and we're really um, very proud of that. And we frequently partner with uh, the UVM Master of Social Work program and also the Master of Public Health program. And we receive interns who really help our programming and make great connections with our kids. Uh, we're, we're super blessed that that arrangement is there. And, uh, in the time of year before UVM, students are really fully onboarded, and after they graduate, we're always like, oh my gosh, this is, this is really hard to do without the support of the community. Um, and the kids just love having the college students to hang out with, and uh, it's, it's a very good relationship for, for both the kids doing the service and the kids uh, meeting these students. Um, and recently we've opened up a little free food pantry outside our building. It looks like one of the library boxes you see in, in neighborhoods, just quite small. When I got there we were distributing, and this was just under two years ago, 
distributing 50 items a month, and now we're distributing over 600 items. Wow. Yeah, and we're the only um, food pantry in the area that does not require proof of living in a community or proof of nationality. And so we're very proud of that, but because we're not collecting information on the people we're serving, it, it's a barrier for us to become part of the Vermont Food Bank Network. So we actually pay for the food at the same cost anybody would pay for food at a grocery store. So, um, you know, we just don't feel like there should be a barrier between hungry people and getting the nutrition they need. So we're always looking for you know, groups that might want to have a food drive for us. Um, and we stock that with um, non-perishable items and also toiletries. Um, we also um, have a back-to-school drive every August where we have backpacks and all sorts of school supplies available to anybody who needs them. And we never say no to anyone. So, for example, through Rotary, we had a, a partnership with Operation Warm Coat, and we had jackets for elementary and high school students, nice new jackets to distribute. And um, a mom called me and said, oh, my child wears a 4T, can I come get a coat? And of course we had, you know, starting at size six, something like that. But we don't say no to anyone. So we find a way and we make sure that, you know, every kid that needs a coat, every kid that needs a backpack, families call and say, you know, we're in a situation we didn't expect to be in. We, we have no food for the weekend, can you help us? So in addition to the free food pantry, we'll prepare bags or boxes of food for those in the community in need. So we're very, um, we're very glad that we're able, with support from the community, to never have to say no. Um, so there's lots of ways that you could become involved if you're interested. We love to have you come and take a tour and see our space. It's great. The city of Essex Junction does not charge us any rent, and our offices are teen centers, so we're really blessed in that way. Um, and like I said, a food drive would be an amazing way to help us, um, back to school drive. And also, we're looking for volunteers all the time to work with the kids, and uh, it doesn't have to be on a weekly basis. It could be, you know, once a month. We do a a small background check on people, um, but I think that you'd find if you come and see the space and meet the kids, it's very rewarding. And for me, every day when I start to hear the air hockey table go off, it just makes what I'm doing so much more worthwhile and to spend some time with the kids and just see them grow into adults and over the past, you know, the course of the school year, how much they grow. It's a real honor to do that. So. I, I'm just curious if you have any questions, you can feel free to ask them now, or I'll be here for a little while afterwards, too. Yes? There was a flyer on the table back here for a specific event, but it was like a YouTube um, Yes. And I was trying to piece together, because it seemed like there were some disparate like things, like bingo, YouTube, and I was like, how? So I was just kind of curious, you know, the age range, yes. and kind of what it is. So that's an event that um, we're in partnership with the Brownell Library on, and they're the local library in Essex Junction. And it's geared towards 6th to 12th graders, and it's called an Unlikely Animal Friendship YouTube Party. So my understanding is 
the youth librarian will show some YouTube videos with, I have the book actually, Unlikely Animal Friendships, it's very cute, and it's sort of like a lot of YouTube videos like this with a monkey and a dog or what have you. And so they'll, each kid will receive a bingo card, and if they see some something in the uh, relationship between the animals represented, they mark their bingo card and can win a prize, and we'll have food and drinks for the kids. So that's sort of like a one-time program, but we have those quite often. Yeah. What's a, like a typical activity day look like after school is done for a child? Um, so what they do, so we serve fourth through ninth graders. So what they do is um, congregate in a room about this size, um, drop their backpacks off. We have comfy couches, um, and they grab a snack and a drink. Um, and then they start breaking off into activities. So we'll always have an arts and crafts option. We'll usually have a physical game in the big, what we call the big room, where um, they play goggle ball with the couches around them. And, uh, I'm not really familiar with it. There's something about the number of bounces the balls can make without touching you. Um, so they have that option. Lots of um, camo tag. They um, set the couches up in different ways. It's a very flexible space. For kids who want to be more quiet, we have a quiet room. Some kids practice their instruments. Um, we'll bring in 4-H or Global Foundries to do STEM activities. They can um, use the computer lab for up to um, two 15-minute segments every day. We don't want it to be totally focused on that. Um, we have a library. We have any board game that you could imagine. Um, and a lot of it, as they get older, is more self-directed, so they'll, they'll they know how many crafts we have, and they'll say, oh, we'd really like to work on making slime. That's a very popular one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so whatever it is, we try to accommodate, and, and we'd love to have their suggestions because we want them to do activities that um, you know interest them and, and make them happy. Fantastic. Well, good. Well, thank you all for. In oh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so part of my challenge is just the, the timing, right? Right. Call it after school. So, are there opportunities uh, in other ways, maybe, than that, that particular time slot? Because obviously, the kids are out of school at 2:33. Normal right. time they're arriving there, sometime around three. Right. And then finishing up by 5:30, which is about the time that I would be able to get there. Right. But. but right. Well, we. It sounds like you might be handy. <laughs> we're going to be renovating our space, um, so we're going to be looking for people who might want to help us with cleaning projects, that sort of thing. Um, and then we have the Friday night activities, and then also you, anyone, you don't have to live within Essex, uh, Westford and Essex Junction to come to any of our public programs, too, so we can keep you in the loop about that. And Definitely, we're looking for help um, when we do a documentary um, film and discussion. You know, someone who might help serve the pizza or um, you know pick the pizza up from where it needs to be. We're very small. I'm full time. I have a, a woman who works 30 hours a week. We have someone who works 15 hours a week and someone who works eight hours a week. So everyone is very hands on. So we would 
we would find a way to match our talents with our needs. And it's been really nice to um, sort of bring that the program forward, and we have lots of uh, support from our community. We have two drop-in days, uh, one focused on middle school and one focused on high school students, and then we'll do standalone programs throughout the summer. So we're not. We do have camps in the area. We don't run a camp just because we don't have the staffing to do that. Now, it's a great community service, obviously. Is this something that's replicated in other communities? Um, there are lots of teen centers and after-school programs throughout the state. Um, you know, I don't know how common it is that the municipal government is in support in such a huge way. Um, so we're really, we're really blessed with that. Okay, thank you, everyone. Well, thanks for for sharing that, Christina. Uh, Rob is a handyman, and uh, <laughs> yep, just tap his shoulder multiple times, and he appears. <clears throat> so, uh, I, I, you know, I will say it's um, it's great knowing that there are organizations like this in our communities. Uh, kids don't always get a great break in life, you know. Sometimes kids are the way when they grow up, they're they're on their own to do whatever they feel like is necessary to do to feed themselves or to stay warm and uh, to have a community uh, service that actually looks out for children children are always near and dear to my heart I just I feel like protecting children is one of the best things we can do because they're our future right they're they're the next generation and if we can look to touching their lives we may not necessarily touch the world but that one child will touch many other people and then those people touch many other people and even eventually you reach the world right so I, I feel like there's there's a great opportunity locally, and if uh, you do want to volunteer at all for, for Essex Chips, uh, get in touch with me and I can get in touch with you, Christine, easily. Or take any of the flyers there and not speak with them directly. Uh, there's a table set up right along the side of the room over there. Um, so I wanted to talk a bit about service in general. Um, you know, kind of touched on it uh, at the uh, opening of our, our time here. Let's make sure we got plenty of time. Um, and I just wanted to talk a bit about, you know, how does service work scripturally? Like, what what's the what is service from the from the standpoint of of the Bible? And I can't go through everything in the Bible because when you read the Bible, cover to cover, it's all about God serving us, right? It's about God's love for us. I mean, the Bible is His story, but it's also history, and it's a history of God trying to prosper us. All He wants is just some, maybe a, a thank you. Maybe he wants love back in return, right? But I, but I found something interesting, and I, and I want to share it with you today. And Peter was my impetus for looking into this, so I'll give Peter full credit. For it. But um, I wanted to just uh, bring your attention to Scripture, uh, Luke 6. Now, we're going to camp out in Luke 6 here. I'm not going to jump around Scripture to Scripture. But I just wanted to, to look in Luke 6 because it's pretty amazing when you, when, you look at, um, when you look at a Scripture that says, do good. And it's one Scripture. That says do good. And then you look through Luke 6 a little bit further, do good appears again. Then you look through Luke 6, and a little bit further, do good appears again. 
And I'm like, this is crazy. Like, I've never seen this before until I just decided to go research it and look it up. And so, you know, just, well, let's read it. I think it's more important to read it than for me to just expound on it. Um, Jesus, in Luke 6, we open up, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees because uh, they were so caught up in doing good, but doing it in accordance with the law. And that, and the law, the letter of the law was such a, uh, a point of contention for them that if you violate it in any way, even if you're doing good, that was wrong. And so Jesus is trying to address this heart. Because doing good is a heart issue. It's not about laws and rules and regulations. I can do good just by helping somebody cross the street if there's busy traffic. I can do good by not... <laughs> we had a woodchuck literally run across the road in front of us. I swerved completely through the other lane to miss it. That, that woodchuck probably doesn't understand the good that he has today, but... <laughs> um, but he's not he's not uh, he's not road pizza anymore. So or at this point, so that's good. Um, so I think you know when when it comes to the doing good component, uh, I just want to show an example of Jesus trying to turn somebody's heart around. And if we look in Luke six, we go to verse one. You know the title is Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. I think you might already see where this is going. But one Sabbath. Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples began to pick some heads of grain, rub them in their hands, and eat the kernels. And some of the Pharisees asked, why are you doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? Now, one of the, one of the rules is you can't do work on the Sabbath. So apparently picking a head of grain, rubbing it in your hands, that's work. Okay? It's not feeding yourself, per se, because that's not how they see it, but they see it as work. And so Jesus answers them. He says, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and taking the consecrated bread, he ate what is lawful only for priests to eat. And he also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, I could expound on the Son of Man and how that applies here, but I, I don't want to get into that. I just want to, I just want to kind of touch on the point that the law applies for what reason? Because God said, rest on the Sabbath, right? And if God says rest on the Sabbath, then we can't do anything that resembles work. Again, Jesus is trying to address the heart of these people. And so Jesus gives an example. He's like, you know all these scriptures. You even know the story of David. How come you don't run around all day long criticizing David for eating consecrated bread? Like, isn't that a lot? Weren't you supposed to leave the bread alone that's consecrated to the Lord? It's not yours to touch. But David was actually starving. And his companions were starving. At their point in history, they were exiles. And they were trying to find a way to survive. And again, Jesus is trying to address the heart of the issue here. On another Sabbath, he went into the synagogue. And this is Jesus. This is a little skip in time, but this is Jesus um, dealing with the Pharisees on a different Sabbath day. He went into the synagogue and was teaching. And a man was there whose right hand was shriveled. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking and said to the man with the shriveled hand, Get up and stand in front of everyone. 
So he got up and stood there. Can you just imagine? The Pharisees are like, oh, what's going to happen? We're going to catch him in it. He is going to violate the law. And we're going we're gonna to be right there. Who are the Pharisees concerned about? Were they concerned about this man? Or were they concerned about the law? The law. I mean, easy question, right? So, Jesus said to them, now he's talking to the crowd, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To let them all. And then he said to the men, now you know scripture doesn't say they argued back at him, right? Just imagine the room like silent. Because the question just hovers there in the air, right? The question, do you do good or do you do evil on the Sabbath? And I'm probably thinking about that. So then Jesus said, uh, Jesus looks around at them and he's a man and he says, stretch out your hand. He did so and his hand was completely restored. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. So imagine if you were a person, maybe a short hand or a foot that's been lame for years and years and years. Or any other ailment. You have ailments today, but you love me. You love me. And because it was the Sabbath, and Jesus said, Hey, I'm, I'm here offering healing today. Would you be somebody who would be like, Well, I can't go to Jesus for healing because it's the Sabbath? No, it would be the most amazing thing, right? Like, I get a chance to be healed today. And again, it comes back to the question Is it lawful to do good or to do evil on the Sabbath? And um, you all have heard the scripture, um, you know, you do is sin. And again, it's about the heart of the issue. It's about the heart of God saying, I just want to do good to all of my children. I just want to be there for them at any time for their needs. And I think that's fitting with our topic today. It's like at any point in time, somebody will have a need. We might not even know it, but if we address it. All of a sudden, the heart comes out, right? The, that, that person's need is all of a sudden greater than, than our knowledge. And, and they put down their heart because that need. And I think that's so powerful. Because God put you in that position to serve that need in that moment. And you didn't even know it. And they didn't even know it. But God wants to take care of his children. And he'll use you, or he'll use you, or he'll use you. And he'll use us to take care of those people who have those needs. And they didn't even know it was coming. Right? It's amazing. It's totally amazing. Um, Luke 6, verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Here's another total twist on, um, on the mentality of the heart of doing good, the heart of serving. How easy is it to serve those who malign you? <laughs> I get riled up about people who say complete, complete nonsensical things and, and they, they criticize me for doing something and all I was trying to do was do good for somebody, right? And when we see it in the news, I have to stop reading the news. I watch the news anyways, but I have to stop reading the news because there's so much out there of people tearing down other people, of people shredding this person's character. And all you hear is their side of it because negative news sells. And I think it's important when we look at a scripture like this 
And we go, do good to those who hate you. That's just so contrary to my nature. But Jesus is talking to us and saying, do good to those who hate you. You know, I think about different uh, characters throughout characters, people throughout history. I mean, Jesus, of course, being one of the most prolific, he goes to the cross because people hate him for telling the truth. And people hate him for loving other people. People hate him for doing good on the Sabbath. Like, that's, that's counter to what I think is fair. And so if it's not fair, and those who hate me aren't being fair, then I should, should love them. Right? I'm not, not right. I'm actually wrong. But I feel that way, and, it get, and, it, and I feel that so deeply inside. And I don't know how many of you get this way and, and feel like, that's just not fair. That person's being totally evil, and yet I can malign them. I can write uh, a nasty email to them. I can do any number of things. I can even try to fight their agenda. But what if I did good for them? Like, how much more of a, of a challenge is it to your character to want to do good to somebody who hates you? Or who is your enemy? Or who is doing something to hurt you? Whether in any number of ways, right? Like that's just so so against our our psyche, our personality, our emotions, our everything. And I think Jesus' point here is just simply like, you just need to do good. It's simple. You know, he's not saying get over yourself, he's saying love people. Loving somebody doesn't, you don't have to get over yourself to love somebody, right? You just have to extend it. And extending a little can mean a lot. Let's look in Luke uh, 6.32. This is the other side. This is the other side of the people who hate you. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. You know, I, I, I struggle with the scripture, and I'm like, Jesus, what are you saying even sinners do that? Are you saying that just because somebody's nice to me, I can turn around and be nice to them, and it doesn't count for anything? And I'm no different than a sinner? And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. I'm one of those sinners. I think Jesus is saying, everybody does that. Because I'm, I'm no less a sinner than somebody else down the street. I'm no less a sinner than the person who hates me. But if I do good to those who do good to me, am I expecting a pat on the back? I would go so much as to say, if you can do good, don't ever expect a thank you. Right? I've taken philosophy. I don't, how many here have taken philosophy courses? Yeah. And I studied altruism in philosophy. Like, what is true altruism? And it was all like, well, why altruism? We can go into that, but but are you be truly being altruistic if you expect a thank you? Or if you demand a thank you? How many people grew up with their grandmother or, grand or mother or somebody saying, uh, I sent you a gift, you need to write me a thank you card. <laughs> How many went through that? It's relevant, right? It's so relevant. I have a mother who insists that that, that thank you card has to be sent. Now, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. Matter of fact, it's good practice because it, it, it works on our hearts to remember to be grateful, right? And I've had to apologize to my mom a number of times. Mom, I'm so sorry I didn't send you a thank you card, but it's in the mail. But 
let's flip that coin. Is it truly from the heart if you expect anything from anybody you give to? So I think when Jesus says here, if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Jesus is really trying to get the point across, like, look, just love people. It's about loving people. Like, if you do good to the person that's your enemy and you do good to the person that loves you, it's the same. And by the way, we're all sinners, so just get over yourself. <laughs> and I think Jesus is really, is really trying to make a very appropriate point to all of us. We're all in the same boat. Not a single one of us is any better than the other person. Right? The, the, your enemy thinks of themselves as a good person. What about that? And yet, but how could they be good? They're my enemy. Well, let's, let's, let's stand in their shoes for however many years they've had to deal with their anger and their hatred or whatever it is. We don't have to accept it. We have to realize it's our job to do good to those people because of love. You see, it all comes back to God's history with us has been love. From Genesis to Exodus to Leviticus, right up through Revelation, everything God has given us and done for us is about love. <clears throat> Let's look in Luke 6.35. We're going to talk about enemies one more time here. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. All right, that just kind of emphasizes the, the be good to your enemies thing, but Let's look at the very last portion of that. He is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. <clears throat> God's heart is kindness. And it doesn't matter who you are. I've been ungrateful. I'll go so far as to say I've been wicked. God still loves me. And just because I level that same judgment on somebody else doesn't make them any more right or wrong or loved or unloved by God. And if God loves us equally, who am I to judge? Can we put that out in the world and go, hey, look, I'm going to serve you because it's it's the good thing to do. Because God wants you to be served. Because God believes it more than I do. So much so that he keeps talking about it over and over and over again in Luke 6. I'm like, wow. So let's forget about the law. And let's forget about my attitudes toward my enemies. And let's just do good. Because that's, that's the heart. And I feel like the heart of worship is there too. And the heart of prayer is in there. And the heart of accepting one another for our faults and failures, for our strengths, it's all in there. Because the heart of God has room for all of us, right? I think that's the important message that's trying, that Jesus is trying to put across here. Don't be stuck on your thing. Because your thing is not more important than loving someone. You know, I think about, um, you've heard the term pay it forward. I spent a lot of time thinking about this statement because Pay It Forward was a movement. It was a movie. And then it became a movement, right? And pretty soon you heard everybody say, hey, I'm going to cover your lunch for you so that just pay it forward when you can. That's nice. I don't, want to, I don't want to take from that because I think the generosity behind it is right. But having an expectation that somebody will pay it forward, I don't think that's the heart of God. I'm just going to do for you. And if you pay it forward, great. Go touch somebody else's life. 
but to tell somebody to pay it forward it kind of puts the expectation of like my giving comes with consequences or it comes with expectations right and so I feel like if we just simply go okay if I pay it forward because I want to then I've carried the heart of God with me and I will go do for somebody else and I think it's important that when you do pay it forward you know the Bible says don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing that supports the, the heart of God. And so, if you haven't caught the point of today, service is the heart of God. And it's inspired by His love. And that's the point. There's a lot of extraneous little pieces to it, but really, if we strip everything down, God's heart of love for us is to serve everybody. Whether we love Him or we don't love Him, we can just step out that one little bit extra and do something that's greater love for our community and for our family and for our friends and for our enemies. We're fulfilling the word of God. So, amen. I think Jesus did that. When Jesus went to the cross, and, you know, we'll transition to communion here because, you know, like I said, God's love for us has been ever since the beginning. He created us. Why? Does anybody know the answer to why God created us? simple. It was for his own pleasure. It says in Genesis, he created us for his own pleasure. I'm like, well, wait a minute. That's crazy because why would you go through all that effort only to have us turn, turn, kind of turn it around and, and get back at you and say, well, let's, let's just kill your son when you send him to us. That doesn't make any sense. But it makes the most sense when you realize that God knew in advance that we would be sinners and that he had to create ways for us to always have an open pathway to him. And so when Jesus died on the cross, he gave that final sacrifice for sin and he opened the gate so we could we could enter his glory without having to go through a priest or somebody else and make sure that we, we abided by every rule and every law. God took the decision of us coming to him out of man's hands. And he just said, I'm opening it up to you all just because... I don't want anybody else involved or intervening between you and me. So when we take communion, let's just think about the freedom we have just to go directly to God and live a life of service, whether to him or to the children he loves. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your amazing love for us. Sometimes uh, that love can be so intense. I just I can't even fathom it. And uh, it, it just really, I don't know, it just tweaks my feeble mind to think that there is more love than I can understand even that comes from you. And I'm grateful that you, you give it freely. And I'm grateful that you've, you've done everything. You put in all the work, you put in all the effort, and you have served us in so many ways that we would uh, be able to have this open relationship with you. A relationship we can come directly to you and know that we don't have to go through a priest, we don't have to go through some curtain, that we can... We can actually just uh, humble ourselves before you and, and just accept that you love us and, and accept that love and perhaps in some small way love you back. That's meaningful to you. I'm just grateful that you give us uh, your word, you give us Jesus, you give us history uh, in scripture that we can look through all that and, and somehow piece it together for our each and uh, our own understandings. 
that it means something different to us, but it but it's as powerful as just being close to you. I thank you for for your willingness to draw us near. I thank you for um, for Jesus just being willing to die on the cross and make himself that final sacrifice. It's his name we pray.